the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Once you feel that there's a lack of sincerity and honesty in a spiritual leader, you're just not going to listen to anything else he has to say. His word no longer carries any uh, credibility or believability. That's why the character of a church leader is so critical. Paul says to Titus as well as Timothy, he said, when you choose a leader, make sure he is above reproach. There ought not to be people sitting out in the congregation wondering about areas of his life that uh, don't appear to be under God's control. Paul, uh, the, the writer to the Hebrews in Hebrews 13, 7, says that we are to follow those who have led us and imitate their way of life. Follow them. Truth is a delicate and powerful ingredient in all our lives. I like the way one of my friends expresses the importance of honesty. He says, if you tell the truth all the time, I can believe you all the time. But if you lie even once, I can never believe you. That is a powerful statement, and I think it's an accurate expression of how fragile a thing integrity really is. Welcome to Verse by Verse. We will be spending the next several days learning about integrity, as pastor teacher Steve Kreloff leads us in a study from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. Pastor Steve has been ministering for over 26 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. His expository or verse-by-verse teaching ministry has been expanded now by Verse-by-Verse Ministries to make his lessons available on this radio station. There are many ingredients to good leadership, but integrity is possibly the most vital. If we can't trust our leaders, we're not very likely to follow them, are we? But what if we are not in position of leadership? Well, we might not have official roles as leaders, but all Christ followers are leaders. The people around us are watching us, and if we are going to lead them to God, we have to be trustworthy. The Apostle Paul was a man of great integrity, but even so, he faced charges of dishonesty. Here is Pastor Steve now to tell us how Paul responded to his accusers. Let's open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We continue in our study going verse by verse through this wonderful letter. Really, in many ways, a neglected letter. Often Paul's first letter is studied and yet uh, not his second letter. But how rich and wonderful 2 Corinthians uh, has been as we've studied it and And it will continue to be like that. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we want to break in at verse 12. Paul writes, For our proud confidence is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in holiness and godly sincerity, not in fleshly wisdom, but in the grace of God, we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially toward you. For we write nothing else to you than what you read and understand, and I hope you will understand until the end, just as you also partially did understand us, that we are your reason to be proud as you also are ours in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. In this confidence, I intended at first to come to you so that you might twice receive a blessing. That is to pass your way into Macedonia and again from Macedonia to come to you 
and by you to be helped on my journey to Judea. Therefore, I was not vacillating when I intended to do this, was I? Or what purpose do I purpose according to the flesh, so that with me there will be yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? Now let's stop there, even though the passage does continue, and we'll get into this and you'll see how it flows. Many years ago, I invited a well-known Christian leader to speak at Lakeside. I had actually made these arrangements two years prior to the time he was to be with us. Then about a year before he was scheduled to speak, I received a letter from this man asking me to release him from his commitment to speak here. He explained that he had overcommitted himself with too many speaking engagements and that he needed to spend more time with his family. In fact, he said that if I released him, I would be a real hero to his family. Well, it turns out that he had been asked to speak at another church in Florida right after ours, and he didn't feel that he could accept both invitations and be away from his family that long. And so he was asking me to relieve him from coming to Lakeside so that he could keep his commitment to speak at this other church. Now, I'm not going to tell you who this man was, though you're probably dying to know, I will just tell you that no, it was not John MacArthur, in case you're wondering. But I will tell you and admit that I was rather annoyed and disturbed by what this man had done. He had promised to speak here and then changed his plans. And I immediately became suspicious and really critical of his motives because I knew that the other church was larger than ours and was uh, somewhat of a prestigious church with some very wealthy members. I felt hurt, I felt rejected, I felt that this man was neglecting us as a church because uh, we weren't as as important as the other larger, wealthier church. Now I want you to know that my reaction was absolutely wrong. There's no excuse for that, it was wrong, because I didn't know this man's motives. I couldn't read into his heart. I don't know what prompted him to do what he did, and uh, as far as feeling neglected and rejected, well, that really had more to do with my own self-centeredness than it did with anything that this man had done. Now, why would I tell you a story about this incident of a Bible teacher changing his plans to speak here and my rotten reaction to it? And really, what does this have to do with 2 Corinthians? Actually, it has everything to do with 2 Corinthians because it is so similar to how the Corinthians reacted to the Apostle Paul's change of plans to visit them at Corinth. If you look at the passage that we just read, verses 15 through 17, in essence, are telling us that Paul had intended to visit them twice, he says. I I intended to be a, a blessing to you twice. And what he's telling them is that he planned to visit them on his way into northern Greece in a region called Macedonia. And then when he left that region, he would visit them again because Corinth is in the southern part of Greece. Macedonia is in the northern part of Greece. So he said, on my way there, I'm going to visit you and I'm going to visit you on my way out of there. And so that was his plan. And yet he changed his itinerary. He changed his plans Because we know that he presently was in Macedonia when he was writing 2 Corinthians. He wrote it from Macedonia. We don't know exactly where. Um, Most Bible teachers think that it was in Philippi, but there are other cities in Macedonia that we're familiar with. Could have been Thessalonica, could have been Berea, could have been some other place. But he was in Macedonia writing this, and yet he had not stopped off at Corinth on his way there. And the Corinthians were feeling rejected. They were feeling neglected by Paul. But Paul's opponents in the church, whom he later identifies as false apostles, 
These men seized Paul's change of plans to accuse him of being untrustworthy and unreliable. They said that, look, if the man can keep his word about such a small matter as visiting you, Corinthians, then maybe his words about Jesus Christ can't be trusted either. And what they were really trying to do was undermine Paul's authority as an apostle and say his teaching is off. They said maybe he says one thing when it comes to doctrine, but he means another. How can you really trust him? In other words, they said he was insincere, both in personal matters as well as doctrinal issues. And that really forms the background of chapter 1. Now, we'll learn as we get further into 2 Corinthians that his critics accused Paul of many things, not just, not just this issue. They accused him of being weak, of suffering, because they said God's displeasure was on this man. If you're really a man of God, they said he wouldn't suffer like this. Look how weak he is. And that's why Paul defends himself so often about his weakness is really a sign of God perfecting strength in him. They accused him of uh, being incompetent as a preacher. They accused him of being self-serving, of proud, of being uh, proud, of, of even being mentally unbalanced and several other things. But in chapter one, Paul chooses to deal with the charge leveled against his integrity. Integrity. That's what chapter one is about. If you uh, if you underline or if you write in your Bibles or you're taking notes, I would encourage you on this. You mark over chapter one integrity. That's what it's about. They said that, that Paul could not be trusted as a man of his word, either personally or doctrinally. Now, that's a serious accusation, very serious accusation, especially for a minister of the gospel, because once people have lost confidence in your integrity as a spiritual leader, then you've lost your ministry to them. You have no ministry to them. If they can't trust your word, then they're not going to trust anything that you will ever say to them. Over the years as a pastor, I have noticed that in our church, when someone uh, questions the integrity either of myself or of any of our elders or, or staff personnel, uh, eventually they're going to leave the church. They won't reconcile that. If they believe that those in leadership um, have a problem with integrity, that they've made a decision that's either politically motivated or or some other uh, motive that's less than, than honest, uh, they will eventually leave. Now, there are people who disagree with elders' decisions, and that's that's fine, but they still are to submit to the leadership. But once that disagreement is over integrity, it is just a matter of time before they're leaving. Why? Because once you feel that there's a lack of sincerity and honesty a spiritual leader, you're just not going to listen to anything else he has to say. His word no longer carries any uh, credibility or believability. That's why the character of a church leader is so critical. Paul says to Titus as well as Timothy, he said, when you choose a leader, make sure he is above reproach. There ought not to be people sitting out in the congregation wondering about areas of his life that uh, don't appear to be under God's control. Paul, uh, the, the writer to the Hebrews in Hebrews 13, 7 says that we are to follow those who have led us and imitate their way of life. Follow them. Now, the Apostle Paul understood that if the Corinthians thought he was insincere personally, then they would not receive him as a teacher and as an apostle of Jesus Christ, which is exactly what his opponents wanted. That was their aim. But 
how important this is. But if these Corinthians rejected his apostleship, they were rejecting the word of God. This wasn't a personal thing with Paul. They were rejecting the word of God. So this is a crucial issue. It's really something quite critical that's at stake. And that's why Paul starts off this letter by addressing the subject of his integrity. Now, for the last few weeks, we really have looked at uh, integrity in an indirect way. Paul taught us about suffering, about suffering, but that wasn't isolated. He wasn't just teaching us about suffering for the sake of learning about suffering. Indirectly, he wanted us to know, he wanted the Corinthians to know that his suffering in some way affected and influenced him coming to visit them. That's why in verse 8 he said, For we don't want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction, which came to us in Asia, meaning Asia Minor, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even of life. The reason he wrote about this suffering was to explain that in some way, which he did not reveal to us in terms of details, his affliction in Asia prevented him from visiting them as he had planned. But having just dealt with the subject of integrity in an indirect way, now Paul will, beginning with verse 12 and continuing into chapter 2, he will directly answer this charge of insincerity and fickleness by defending his integrity. Pastor Steve will be right back after we take a moment to welcome those of you who just tuned in. We're glad to have you here with us for another Bible class of the air. You're listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you missed the start of class, keep listening at the end of our program, and I'll tell you how you can re-listen to this and other lessons at our website. Today's lesson is the start of a three-part message on integrity, which is the beginning of a series of studies on the subject. The church today has been marginalized like never before. It has been tossed into an intellectual trash bin by our society. It's not really gone, but most people ignore it. The prevailing, most modern attitude is that if you find truth there, well, that's fine with you, but what's true for you is not true for me. There are a number of things that have conspired to bring about this sad situation. One of them is a general lack of integrity among professing Christians. If I say I am a Christian, but I don't keep my word, why would anyone believe me when I tell them that God is real and He loves them? Personal integrity is essential for society in general, and it is absolutely vital for the spread of the gospel. Let's return to class now for more about integrity and how the Apostle Paul's life demonstrated it. If you're taking notes, where we're going is, is this way. He does this by presenting us with three qualities in his life that demonstrated his integrity. These are the qualities that demonstrated Paul's integrity, and these are the timeless principles and qualities that ought to demonstrate your integrity and my integrity. Same qualities. If you and I have any impact on people for the Lord Jesus, we must be noted as people who are honest and speak the truth and are transparent. We all know that we live in a culture where people don't think it's important to be honest. That is where our culture is at. Integrity is a lost virtue. Situation ethics seem to rule the day. That is that you determine if you're going to speak the truth based on what the outcome will be. Based on the outcome, you determine your ethics based on the situation. That's what rules most people's lives. 
insincerity and dishonesty are considered the norm. Rather than communicate honestly, people tend to play games, they scheme, they connive, they manipulate people to get their own way. That's the world we live in. Just in a recent edition of World Magazine, I don't know if you're familiar with World Magazine, it's, uh, it's like Time Magazine, only it has an evangelical slant. It's excellent. And uh, what I'm about to read to you, it's a very brief quote, but it is an absurd statement which reflects our distorted perspective on integrity. Here's what he said. I think you can be, on, you can be an honest person and lie about any number of things. Uh, that is a direct quote, and if you can figure that one out, see me afterwards. Because uh, I couldn't even begin to explain to you what he meant. Because what he has done is he has redefined honesty. And once you have redefined the term, there is no way of communicating clearly. But that's what he said. I think you can be an honest person and lie about any number of things. Well, the Apostle Paul didn't believe that. Nor did he live by that kind of ethic. He lived and spoke the truth, and he wants the Corinthians to know it for the sake of Jesus Christ and for the sake of the purity of the ministry. And so he presented them with three qualities of his life that demonstrated his integrity. This morning, we're going to look at the first one. First quality of Paul's life that demonstrated that he was a man of integrity was this. Number one, his total transparency. He was totally transparent. We see this beginning in verse 12. He writes, for our personal confidence is this, the testimony of our conscience that in holiness and godly sincerity, not in fleshly wisdom, but in the grace of God, we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially towards you. Now, Paul begins a defense of integrity by, first of all, making a boast. That's what he means by our proud confidence. And that might strike us as a little strange that, that Paul, such a humble man, would talk of boasting and of being proud and having confidence. In fact, he often uses this term for boasting throughout 2 Corinthians. This is not new to, uh, to Paul in this letter. Maybe the first time he used it, but he'll use it several times. But I want you to know this was not boasting in the sense of bragging. Not bragging about something that he had accomplished. That, that's not it at all. Paul's boasting had to do with something that God had accomplished by his grace in Paul's life. So Paul is not saying, look at me, I'm doing great. This is what I've accomplished on my own. No, his boasting is really in the grace of God. As he said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians, he said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And that's sort of the, the feeling here, something God had accomplished in his life. Now, what was that? What was he boasting about? We read on, for our proud confidence is this. So he's going to tell us what it is. It is the testimony of our conscience. Paul boasted about the fact that he had a clear conscience. When he thought of his conscience, he said, it's clean, it's clear, when it came to his behavior towards the Corinthians. He said, we behave like this towards the world, but especially towards you Corinthians. Now, what is the conscience? What is the conscience? A conscience is that moral monitor that God has placed within every one of us. It is a moral warning system uh, that everyone has. When we do what's right, our conscience gives us approval. It applauds us in that sense. It approves of our actions. It approves of our motives if we do what's right. If we do what's wrong, our conscience just screams out at us with accusations, a million cries of guilt. 
Romans chapter 2, Paul speaks of the, uh, the Gentiles who don't have the law of God. There are pagans who didn't have the written law of God, but he said in Romans chapter 2, verse 15, in that they, speaking of the Gentiles, show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. That's what a conscience does. It accuses you when you're wrong. It offends you when you're right. Your conscience evaluates your motives as well as your actions. On earth, there is no higher appeal to a court than your conscience. You may fake other people out, and you may pretend to be something that you're not, but your conscience will tell you. Your conscience tells you. The conscience, though, to work properly and effectively, God's Word must enlighten it. Must enlighten it so that it will be sensitive and responsive to the high moral standards of Scripture. Well, the Apostle Paul uh, thought very much about conscience, and Paul had a highly enlightened and sensitive conscience because he had filled his life with so much of the Word of God. And so, when Paul considered his behavior among the Corinthians as well as his conduct in the world, he could boast that by the grace of God, the testimony of his conscience was that he had behaved properly. Conscience was important to the Apostle Paul, and it ought to be important to you. He uh, said, for example, in Acts chapter 23, when he stood before the Sanhedrin council in Jerusalem, in Acts chapter 23, verse 1, it says, Paul, looking intently at the council, said, Brethren, I have lived my life with a perfectly good conscience before God up to this day. Now, Paul wasn't claiming to be uh, sinless, but what he was saying is when I do sin, I confess it and deal with it, and I know nothing that anyone could hold against me right now. I've dealt with everything. There's nothing hidden. There's nothing in my closet. No skeletons there. He said in the next chapter, chapter 24, verse 16, he said, in view of this, I also do my best to maintain always a blameless conscience both before God and before men. He also wrote to Timothy in two places he wrote about a conscience, actually several places, but in 1 Timothy chapter, uh, or 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, this is at the end of his life, he's about to be beheaded, he said, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers day and night, even at the end of his life. In a dungeon in Rome, Paul said, my conscience is clear. He said in 1 Timothy chapter 3 that those who serve in the office of deacon, he said in verse 9, they are to hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. That is to say that they are to embrace the faith. They are to embrace the word of God and have a clear conscience in obedience towards God. There ought to be nothing in their life that's out of whack biblically. So conscience was important to Paul. And of course, conscience should be important to you and to me as well. King David knew the importance of a clear conscience when he asked God in Psalm 139 to make him aware of his own guilt. He said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any hurtful way in me. You have been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. He will continue this message in our next class. Pastor Steve has been teaching for over 26 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Verse by Verse Ministries makes Pastor Steve's clear, 
practical messages available every weekday on this station. If you missed part of today's class or want to go back and hear a previous one, you can also hear them on our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen online or download for listening later. The website also offers the opportunity to sign up for our free podcasting service or our complimentary newsletter. That web address again is versebyverseradio.org. By the way, Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith ministry. The gifts and prayers of listeners like you help to keep these Bible classes on the air. We encourage you to keep your own church your top priority, but to also remember that God uses other ministries as well. Today's class was the first part of a three-part message that begins a series in defense of integrity. If you would like to hear the entire message at one time, call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again, 727-441-1714. Years ago, there was a board game called Lie, Cheat, and Steal. The object was to win an election using those methods without getting caught. I don't see it in the stores anymore. I guess it was way too close to reality. Integrity seems to be getting more scarce every day in both public and private life. Yet God wants us to live our lives in such a way that no one ever has a reason to wonder if we are telling the truth. Building that kind of reputation involves every aspect of our lives. This is Peter Silseth saying, I hope that you can come back for our next class as Pastor Steve continues our study. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.